Welcome to The Vine Time with Melanie Bolduck. Today's guest on The Vine Time is Amanda Thompson. Hi, Amanda. Hi. How are you? Really well. Thank you for having me. Wonderful. And where, where are you calling from? I'm calling actually from Winchester in the south of England. Where is it in the middle or is it to the right? Where, so it's quite close to Southampton. Southampton, um, just, I've been Yeah, just an hour from London, but we it's a bit of a microclimate. There's quite a lot of vineyards popping up here actually in Hampshire. So I had a lot of friends who lived, um, my friends, I so I used to live in London in oh, 90. Uh, no, no, it was 1999. And uh, my friends who lived there inherited a property that was in Dorset. Nice. And that was down near um, Shaftesbury. And so when we were down there, there were wineries down there as well. So, but I know that the the bigger ones are kind of in Surrey, but I think they're sort of all over now. Yeah, they're popping up across the UK right now. Exactly. Very, very interesting. So there you go. So you're in the wine business and your company is Naughty AF. Yes. Yeah. And so tell me about your wine story. So... I used to like to drink fine wine. I was a broadcaster in the arts space. And back before social media kids, we used to work hard and play hard. Um, And I developed a love of really good champagne when I wasn't paying, I hasten to add. Um, And I started to become really fascinated with the process of dosage and how one achieves balance without adding the sugar. So for those who aren't familiar with dosage, it's really the sugar that's added to help balance off the fruit sugar. Mm -hmm. You really want to get to perfect balance with wine. And I was really interested in this idea of zero dosage, which is where you try to achieve the perfect balance without adding sugar, but just using the fruit sugar. Um, And I was lucky enough as a journalist by trade um, to live not too far from the gentleman who was then the world's most famous sommelier on our side of the pond, but probably the world, to be fair, an incredible man called Gérard Basset, a Frenchman, actually, Mm -hmm. who lived in the UK. And he had an interesting history of bringing on women in wine. And on my side of the pond, there aren't so many women in wine, not at least higher up the echelons, not higher up the ladder. Um, and I consulted him about this idea I had, which was to to create my perfect champagne. Um, and to cut a very long story for another podcast short, I moved to Paris, threw myself into fine wine studies at Cordon Bleu, the, the famous cookery school. They just launched an in-depth wine diploma. And I was one of the first students to graduate. Um, and then I thought, well, I'm not going to sell snow to the Eskimos. So I came back to London, um, launched a Grand Cru champagne when I was working with a top maker and had a successful career early stage and building that out. But something was really irking me, which was at wine dinners. And when I was having a night off drinking, there was nothing delicious for me to drink. And my beer friends were quite well catered for with, with, with most sort of beer brands having an alcohol-free alternative. And now and there's that, so many. Now there's right. so many brands like Heineken Zero and, and Guinness. So it's, Athletic, you know, oh, Bill brand, a lot of the Indies coming out with, with big growth now. Uh, and so that was the seed of the idea to create Naughty, which was really this 
obsession then, a classic sort of entrepreneur, it became my primary focus of seeing if it were possible to create what was originally a really good sparkling first and foremost, um, which was the beginning of the idea for my premium non-alcoholic brand. I love it. And so so getting back to dosage, so dosage isn't always used though, is that correct? I mean, because I've been to Champagne and I remember, you know, some winemakers will use it, uh, you know, a little bit here and there. They have most, to- most use it. Most use it. And people don't always want to talk about it. I mean, it's a strange thing in winemaking. There's a lot of smoke and mirrors. Dosage um, and batonage. That's right. stirring. Yeah. yeah. So, um, so the dosage, um, it's not like it's a dirty word. That the, It's the sugar that you're adding to, to balance. But yeah. for me, the fascinating part was when it is possible to achieve perfect balance just right. with the free sugar. Right. without adding the sugar that was the the idea so no i guess most most yeah. champagnes most sparkling wines will have a fair amount of dosage it's quite tricky to make good zero dosage champagne sure and so um so your wine is not produced in the uk correct it's produced. no i make wine in south africa my stills yeah. and in germany my sparklings okay, very good and um where in germany so the Rhine, not not far from the, yeah, really close to that beautiful area by, by the river. Wonderful. Yeah. And so your wine is being distributed in the UK and Ireland. I know it's, who's your distributor in Ireland? Uh, Cassidy Wines in Cassidy. Ireland. Um, but actually now the US is our biggest market, Melanie. Well, that's fantastic. Yeah. So, so talk, let's talk about the US and where which markets are you in? So we're in a lot now. Um, we're in most of the coastal markets um and just we've got a a few gaps in the middle um so yeah we're we're growing nicely in places like new york california maine um yeah lots of wonderful places massachusetts colorado montana all kinds of markets um distributor in massachusetts massachusetts horizon oh good very good yeah Um, and, and so you know horizon is in maine new hampshire and vermont as well um, right. See, so we work actually with, with Pine State. Pine State. Oh, perfect. Yeah. So you're with Pine State up here, which is great. So, yeah, we have the A markets, which are like New York and Chicago and Texas and California. We're very successful in Texas. Actually, Central Markets came on really early with, with oh, my good. brand. Very good. And so, uh, well, good for you. That's fantastic. So tell me a little bit about how it's made. Because I had Rachel Martin here last week, and she's actually making an alcoholic wine, and she was explaining something about cones. You have to pass the wine through cones and what it so does. She, I think she's probably re- referring to spinning cones. Yeah. Right. So, so we use two processes, different ones, actually, for my sparkling and my still. Um, there's a lot of talk about which is better. Um, and I think my answer is always quite a nuanced one, which is there's no black and white better because every process in making non-alcoholic wine is complex as it is in conventional winemaking. Because what we're doing is we're making a good wine to start with mm-hmm. and then we're de-alcoholizing it. And I think okay. that's probably the difference in the approach sure. that people have taken previously when it's been like a cheap sugar chemical filled thing that perhaps wine lovers like me and you might not want to drink. Right. Um, and so we're using different processes. We're using the spinning cake process for our stills, and we're using the vacuum distillation process for our sparklings. Um, both we have to get quite sciencey to explain. There's an incredible article the Smithsonian published uh, about us and a few other brands, which is on their website and our naughty AF website. So for anyone who gets interested in really getting into the science a bit more, if they go to Naughty AF and, and News, we've got a whole Smithsonian link there, which oh, explains 
all of the science, which which is really interesting. Um, but yeah, it, it's it's a very nuanced process, and and it's hard to kind of. Lots of people want me to distill how do you make good non-alcoholic wine into like a sentence or a making process. And I would argue it's just as complex right. an answer right. as, as it is making good wine with alcohol. That's the only difference, the ethanol, yeah. the alcohol. Yeah, well, from what I've been told um, by people in the trade here in Maine who tasted your wine, that yours is really the best in the market. And so you were just you just got an award. Is that correct? Oh, you're very kind, Melanie. It's yeah. lovely when I get that feedback. Yeah. It just really gives me extra pressure to do better because I'm all about pushing quality, right? So thank you. Yeah, but I'm course. still trying to do better. Um, yes. Uh, it, sorry. And I was so excited to hear that lovely compliment. I've forgotten the question. <laughs> oh, um, oh, I forgot. Competition. <laughs> Competition. Yeah, no, uh, yes. Um, so what, what she was telling me was that, you know, on the market, you're, you're probably the best that there is. So are you, are you going to expand? You know, So at the moment, we're really happy with our portfolio. We've got a wine for every sort of occasion in terms of the inclusive piece, two sparklings, alternatives to champagne, so the Brut and the Rosé, mm-hmm. and then three stills, Naughty Blanc, Naughty Rouge, Naughty Rosé. Sure. But the competition has just come back to me. Yeah, USA Today have put us in their top 10 oh, uh, Reader's Choice Awards. And actually, I think when I last checked, we were ahead. But it's a campaign and I want to win so everybody can vote. Oh, very good. 10 best USA Today. Vote for Naughty. Click click that Fantastic. button. Um, I think what's special about that, Melanie, is we've been very lucky to have the critics in the wine industry in America mm-hmm. and the UK love us. But this comes from the... The people, the consumers. So, so to get this award, get to number one, would be pretty crazy. I, I'd be excited about that for sure. Amazing. Well, well, everyone has to vote then. That's it. We all have to. Where do they find? Where will they vote? USA Today. So it's USA Today. Ten best non non alcoholic wines, and all you literally do. It's a be- beautiful process. You just click on our vote button. No personal information needed. It takes like two seconds. Oh, perfect. Well, I'll do that when I get off. <laughs> Thank I love you. that. And so, um, you know, it's funny because nowadays, you know, everybody's lifestyle is different, you know, and it's it, there's there's balance, right? Speaking of balance in wine, there's balance in your life. And, you know, like people in California, I find are just outside all the time. And, you know, the weather's so nice that when you get home, you don't really even sometimes you don't even really want to drink because you're so tired from all that fresh right. and sunshine and that kind of thing. Um, so it's kind of nice to have an alternative. And it's also nice. You know, I have to say when people have weddings, you know, you do functions and then there's people. So we have a toast and there's nothing for someone to toast. Absolutely. That's really kind of your market, you know, because weddings are such such a big deal here. Uh, There's so much money invested in them. And there's, you know, there's always somebody at a wedding who doesn't drink. So it's nice to have. Absolutely. So getting back to your product, does it have any alcohol at all? Yeah, sometimes non-alcoholic beers will have like one percent. Sure. Good question. So I'm working um, in America. I'm one of the founder members of the Non-Alcoholic Beverage Association. And we're working on legislation. Um, I'm the only Brit as the wine expert, which was lovely to be invited with people like from Athletic and different key non-alcoholic founders. And we're working on really spreading the message and trying to help lock down the legislation to say that the cutoff, really, we everybody seems to think at the moment around the world should arguably be 0.5%. Five percent. Right. So basically, that's trace. And without getting too deep into it, um, a loaf of bread or a vinegar may well have around that amount, right. if not slightly more. And so it, it can get a bit confusing for people because they say, "Oh, but if it's not naught point naught, but I'm pregnant, for example, or can I still drink it?" Or 
and actually traces in all manner of foodstuffs. Sure. So really what you should be looking for, what I encourage people to look for is if they're, if they're not drinking and they're caring about that piece, is that it's less than 0.5. So, so that's that would good be to know. what it's I would recommend. Know. For example, like kombucha, which is something that people enjoy for gut health or whatever the case is. We have like two kombucheries near my house. And uh, that that would be, I think, 3% or something like that. Okay, so you've just raised a really good point there, Melanie. So so if I'm talking about 0.5, I guess that then illustrates how one doesn't need to worry. But actually, as sparklings, Melanie, we've got down to 0.0. So the, the, the reason that we've managed to do that is for us, it's choosing to retain flavor. And we felt like they worked at 0.0. So actually, we've got an added sort of opportunity there for those who follow a halal diet if you're not drinking for religious reasons oh, you can then you can then drink as two sparklings oh very good and so you know it's always really good to know too but um you know i mean it it, it matters it matters to some people so that's always so the sparkling has none whatsoever zero right but, but zero. actually what's been fascinating about our brand is most people that love naughty love wine and still drink and use it, going back to your balance word. Right. The sober community were brilliant for us. They found yeah, us really early. They adopted mm-hmm. us. Um, I mean, you know, apart from, I suppose, uh, you know, I've learned there are a few people who, you know, would be triggered by something that might look and possibly in their minds taste vaguely like wine, even though you've not got that alcoholic burn. Sure. But, but, in, but in the main, most of the sober community have, have, have adopted us and loved us from the get-go, which has been incredible. But actually, our core market is a mainstream wine lover market. Over 90% of our clients drink and, and, and are just bringing naughty into their yeah. lives That's midweek. Balance, wine dinners, events, whatever the reason. I've just been fascinated. Some people do 50-50 on their favorite red wine with our naughty rouge. I mean, people just mix it up. And I just think what a great way to do things. A Monday morning naughty mimosa to start the day right. Another client starts a week like that. You know, I just okay. think I love these stories about my brand, how everybody's building a health choice into their lives but without even feeling or recognizing that they're making a health choice and for me that is living the dream and and it's that much more versatile so if you can have a mimosa at lunchtime and it's 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 guilt-free if that makes sense and so um the other side of it is in terms of distribution because i have a friend who has a kombucha here so you have a different, um, it, it's a different product. In other words, you can go through, you, you, are you selling to a wine distributor? You are, correct? Yeah, and, and that was a stance we took um, quite early on because we wanted the option, to be, But my point is you have yes. the option to sell grocery, correct? Absolutely, we right, do. Right. So we've got different routes to market, actually. Right. But it was important for us in key states like New York to really get involved with Absolutely. the wine scene because that was the way we could ingratiate Naughty sure. into that mainstream wine drinking piece because what we really want is to have it on the list with the conventional wines, and that's when you start to, to really move move the needle. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's good. It's good to know. Um, so, so, but there, you know, you could sell directly if you wanted to, but you, this Absolutely. you went down because you wanted to be, um, there. So for all of those wedding planners out there, you have to listen up because there is, <laughs> there is a guilt-free yes. alternative, um, for your, for some of your wedding parties or whatnot. And so what, what is next for Naughty? What are, what are next on your plans? 
So I really want to build out the US, Melanie. Your your people have been incredibly embracing to me. Yeah. I haven't Good. spent time in every state properly yet. I've worked the market in the key ones, but there's a lot of distributors coming on board and I haven't spent time in market with them. Sure. So that's hugely exciting for me. And I really feel weirdly, like even though I'm a Brit, America is just almost the sort of adoptive home of my brand because Funny. your media, the consumers, mm-hmm. everybody's just fallen in love with Naughty. And so it means the world to me. So I think Perfect. I'll subsequently be spending a whole lot more time over there. Oh, good, good. And um, so, you know, you'll be spending more time in the US and you'll be Absolutely. expanding your brand, which is great. Um, do you do you have any ex- plan to expand what you're producing or no? I'm pushing quality, so ultimately, okay. when I'm ready, I'd like but to. But maybe produce. somewhere down the line, would you say, oh, maybe I'll do something from France or I'll do something from the U.S.? Maybe, maybe. Okay. I would love to do something in, in, in Napa or Sonoma or for sure, Oregon. Well, yeah, for sure. The, the challenges are just to do with, well, the winemaking first and foremost and that relationship and then how we would do the dealkalization. Yeah, I mean, Rome wasn't built in a day, right? So it's mm-hmm. it's sort of, I say that you know, myself every day. exactly. <laughs> it is brick by brick by brick. That's all you can do. Yeah. And so I ask all of my guests this, what do you love? What do I love? Mm-hmm. I mean, I love my family. I mean, that's yes, the obvious that's one. Um, yeah. But I really, really love building my brand and the fact that I can leave a legacy here actually, which is that my brand is sexy and fun and for discerning wine lovers. And yet you are making a choice for your health without even realizing we're the least sanctimonious brand, but actually that will be my legacy. If I can make Naughty the number one premium wine brand, Mm -hmm. that's going to be pretty special. Well, that's a very good answer. And so Naughty AF is, is short for, well, actually, in a very British way, as she says, speaking in her old BBC voice, sure. naughty alcohol free. Oh, I like but that. My American friends <laughs> took it to be playfully provocative, which it's apparently fun. works there you too. Go. <laughs> and so, where can we find your product? I'm here in Maine, and you've just recently been to Maine. So, absolutely. I believe Lindsay has the product at Grippy um, Tannins. Grippy Tannins. Absolutely. Um, okay. We're in a lot of lovely places okay, across good. that state, actually. And then, for more information, naughtyaf.com. You can. Our website's in the US. Absolutely. And and one last question for you. Um, I, I ask all of my guests to come on with a song. I'm sorry I didn't mention this. Oh, a song? Putting you on the spot. Wow. <laughs> song. Well, does anyone remember Blondie? Oh, I like Blondie. She just played oh, it. I was going to say, call me. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's sort of, that will be relevant for my brand. Call me because I, I want to do business with you Perfect. over there. Yeah. Um, and just, just lastly, I realized yeah. naughty with an O, not an A. So naughty. And just to explain America, um, we call naught zero, N-O-U-G-H-T-Y. So that's N-O-U-G-H-T-Y dot com, naught Not zero. naughty. Like you're naughty. Not mischief. <laughs> exactly. Play on words. Exactly. And so uh, one more time, where can I find you? The, what is the website and what is the Instagram handle? So Instagram is naughty AF. So N-O-U-G-H-T-Y AF. Mm-hmm. And the website is the same, naughtyaf.com, N-O-U-G-H-T-Y.com. And don't forget to vote USA Today, Naughty okay. to Win, please. Absolutely. Okay, so here is your song. Thank you very much. Bye. Bye. Thanks so much, Melanie.